place of quiet rest. That often sounds appealing. Um, and that is what we will be talking about tonight um, as we uh, study in Deuteronomy. Uh, we're on the, we'll be on the fourth commandment tonight. Uh, real quickly, a review from um, our first uh, three commandments that we've had. Remember that we are in the second message of Moses, uh, which includes the Ten Commandments. We're towards the beginning. The uh, second message starts in chapter 5. We're still in chapter 5. Um, and this is, if you remember, these are the instructions that Moses gives to Israel uh, before they head into the promised land. So we are covering one commandment per week. Um, and just as a review, we'll just go really quickly through, uh, read quickly through the first three, and then just make one comment, uh, one, a few little comments at the end of that review about last week. So uh, here we go. We'll read through this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his Name in vain. So we spent. That's what we were talking about last week. Was what does this mean? Um, and a few of the things are a common understanding is that this means using the Lord's name as a curse word, um, which is certainly included in this commandment. Uh, but the the more traditional Christian and also the Jewish. Um, thought of the meaning of this was that it was, you shall not swear falsely in the name of the Lord. Both dealing with speech, and there are several other possible translations. We looked at a couple of those last week, and we'll just jump to the last one, uh, because this shows how all-encompassing this commandment is. You shall not bear the name of the Lord your God emptily, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who bears his name emptily. So the, the word for take uh, is, is more literally, you would say, to lift up or to carry or to bear. So this, um, or something quite like it, a translation like this, or something very much like it, is in uh, many, many, many commentaries. Um, so, so how do we bear the name of the Lord? Well, um, Daniel Block, if you remember, 
uh, says this comes from an idiom uh, that it was common at that time that when you purchase a slave, you put your name on your slave, um, branded it on the slave, and so that slave would always bear your name. And so with that understanding, um, as Christians, we always bear the name of Christ all the time. And so what this would then would mean is that we always represent him. And we should never misrepresent him or never carry around that name in an empty way, whether it's by speech or anything else that we do. Um, And so cursing and false oaths are certainly part of that. And using the Lord's name for something that does not show him the honor that he deserves would be that. Um, And so there are just a number of New Testament passages that that express that idea. Um, But every minute of every day, We bear the Lord's name, and our speech and our actions are to represent him Um, in in a good way. So, our first three commandments were, they started out this way, You shall have no, you shall not make, you shall not bear, all these nots. Um, The fourth commandment, though, is state something positively. Um, and so we'll read right through the commandment, and then we'll they'll come back to it and to study it. So here's the fourth commandment. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. So, um, it's too bad we didn't have this, this last week when it was Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we actually had a really, really good, good turnout here. Um, but during this week, last week, I, I heard this, 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 this case being made as, as it often is. Why don't they have the Super Bowl on Saturday? It would give everybody the weekend to recover from the Super Bowl. Why does it have to be on Sunday? Well, I don't think it's an accident. 
that it's on Sunday. I don't think it's an accident that the NFL plays on Sunday. Um, this last, maybe, I don't think it was last week, I think it was the week before, I saw an article basically saying that uh, America's pastime has changed. Baseball no longer is close to football in popularity. Um, it is, it is the national the national pastime. The last the Super Bowl last week was the most watched thing on TV ever. Period. The most watched thing on TV ever. Do you think it's an accident that it happens on? Sunday. I don't think it's an accident that it happens on Sunday. Now, there were all kinds of reasons why the NFL started kind of moving towards Sunday, like other football things going on when it wasn't the big thing. But it's the big thing now, and how did it get to be the big thing? Well, it's on Sunday. Um, so, the fourth commandment. So this is, by the way, this little quote that I read Written a little while ago. If we turn Sunday into a day for living it up, for our sport and pleasure, indeed, how will God be honored in that? Is it not a mockery? That was written, that was spoken on June 20th, 1555, by John Calvin. So, the same things still exist. We haven't changed a lot in our nature in 400 and, is it 69 years? 469 years since Calvin uh, wrote those, spoke this sermon, one of two sermons that he spoke that year, in back-to-back days on the, on the fourth commandment. So this is the longest commandment, uh, and it is also the most highly disputed commandment. Um, and, and John Frame says it's the most visibly rejected commandment. So we'll deal with two, two questions tonight as we, as we talk about the fourth commandment. I planned on three, but then I realized that that was impossible to, to do. So we'll just look at two questions. One is, what does this commandment mean. Well, I think that the basic meaning of it is is pretty straightforward and as we go through that I don't think there's there's probably a lot of dispute about what it originally meant. Um, but there's a slight difference between the the fourth commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 5 that we're in and the one when it was originally given on Uh, Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But I I did mention that this is the most highly disputed 
um, commandment, uh, and especially as related to the next question, which is, how should we keep this commandment? So I skipped right over um, the middle. The middle question that I was going to ask is, is this commandment in um, in effect today? Um, and we'll talk, I'll just briefly touch on that later. We won't explore it at length. Um, but how should we keep this commandment? Well, um, whatever your view is, you have the backing of a biblical scholar. For sure. I mean, you know, I... I when we were, some of you guys can remember a lot longer back than I can. Well, maybe not all that much longer, but, but people talk glowingly about the times when things were closed on Sundays. Um, when, when, when Sundays were reserved for church or church and family, and, and we just didn't do things on Sunday. Because everything was everything was closed, all the businesses were closed, and and I remember as a kid when things started to open up. They were already open. There were already some things open on Sunday when I was a kid. When I was really young, I don't remember any time when there was nothing open. But what has happened since then is that if you are closed on Sunday, it draws attention to you. And it even draws legislation trying to force you to be open on Sunday in, in some cases. So, so is that a better thing or not? Well, today, I mean, as we look at this commandment, uh, it will be included in uh, the commandment. So let's read through the text, uh, making a few observations as we go. What, is it, what does this commandment mean? Um, so let's just uh, begin in, in Deuteronomy 5.12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. So there are just a few things. looks pretty simple, but to clarify uh, what it means here. So what does observe mean? So if you've got New American Standard or ESV or NIV, they all translate this the same way. Observe the Sabbath day. King James Version. Does anybody have King James? Pardon? Okay. New King James says observe too. The old King James says keep. Keep the Sabbath day. It's, it's the same word as keep. It's the same word as guard. Um, so to keep it would mean that, that we, that God has made the rules for this day and we are careful to observe, careful to do, careful to um, practice the things that he has set down and requires on the Sabbath day. That's the meaning of observe, that you are going to do that. Secondly, what does keep it holy mean? Well, um, a, 
a Jewish scholar, T. Gay, um, said, this is basic, this is the idea with um, being, making something holy or keeping something holy, is that it's withdrawn from common use. And it's put in special service associated with God. That's the idea of keeping or making something holy. So this day then is different from all other days and it is reserved for God. So what does it mean as the Lord your God commanded you? Well, it probably in this case, as Moses writes this, probably is just referring back to Exodus um, when the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai. It's not very far in our Bibles, but it's 39 years ago, um, close to 40 years ago on Sinai when this commandment was given. So it actually even goes back, this commandment, although it wasn't part of the Ten Commandments at the time, it preceded Um, the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath day precedes um, the Ten Commandments. Um, Like when when God was uh, was going to send manna to the people of Israel, uh, here's what it says. Uh, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. This is before Mount Sinai. This is before the Ten Commandments. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So, as the Lord your God commanded you, probably refers to the Ten Commandments, but again, the Sabbath day was in place for Israel before that time. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So sometimes people make the case that that this, that verse 13 means, commands, that you work six days. Um, not five days, not four days, that you work um, six days, not no days. Um, but it, it is true that, that there work was, was, work is part of paradise. Work was put into place in the Garden of Eden. It says this, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it, and to keep it. Uh, reading through this, this same thing from John Calvin, one of, the, one of the sermons, I don't remember which one. Calvin doesn't think that that's what's in mind here. Um, not only that, it, that it's a command to, it isn't a command to work six days, but not even that kind of work. Uh, he's thinking more along the lines of this way. Uh, after the fall, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. Um, actually, nose. You shall eat bread 
till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So work is a good thing, but painful and unproductive work is not a good thing. And it's part of the curse, and it's something that we actually should look forward to not not doing. So six days, it might look like that's a commandment, but it's really not phrased in the way the syntax is different than you would get if you were commanded to work six days it would read something like this you shall labor six days not six days you shall labor it's more of a permission thing that these are the days that you are permitted to work the other day it's in contrast with the other day that is reserved for God, and you are not permitted to work on that day. The Lord owns the day. It's His day. It's not our day to do as we please. We do what He decides on that day. On it, you shall not do any work. You, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant. So this is a list of the household, uh, a typical household if you were wealthy and you had servants. Or, um, But it's, so it's the household. So is, is there anybody missing from this list? You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant? What about your wife? Well, this is, I mean, this is, this is addressing the head of household, and she is assumed to be part of that um, guy named Bruce that, that we talk about with or meet with on Saturday mornings via Zoom. Says, well, I mean... His wife's name is Bonnie. Bonnie and I are one flesh. And so she's included when it says you in this commandment. But the, the point is that it is the whole household that's not allowed to work on the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Sabbath. It's not my Sabbath. It's not your Sabbath. It belongs to um, the Lord. So is there, the text gives us another reason that your, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant are not allowed to work. That your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. So that there would be rest not only for you, not only for your sons and your daughters, uh, but also for everyone uh, in your whole household, that you do not work. You respect the day, you respect the Lord, you worship the Lord on that day. Or your ox, or your donkey, or your livestock, So why are they included? Because if they're working, you know, uh, 
other people are working. You don't send an ox out to plow the field by itself. right? Somebody else is working if you do that. Uh, Daniel Block thinks it also has to do with don't be cruel to animals. Uh, and so make sure that you let your animals rest as well. Plus, from physical labor, everybody needs a break, right? Even your animals would, lead, would need a break. One more. Or the sojourner who is within your gate. So this means a person who is not an Israelite, is not one of the sons of Israel, who comes from somewhere else and lives in your town, may or may not um, be someone who uh, believes in the Lord, certainly not part of um, those who are descended from Abraham. So what's the point there? Well, again, just think back to uh, when the days when we didn't when we didn't have everything open on Sunday. Everybody that had their shops closed on, on Sunday, not all of them were Christians. They were within the gates of uh, the people who believed in God. And so it is an advantage to, uh, for all of us if nobody can work. Now this is God's community um, where... Uh, of Israel, who made the rules for all of the people there. So the sojourner who was in your gates, nobody works. So the purpose of the Sabbath is, by this, is rest for all people. That your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. That's a purpose clause. That's why this is, this is here. Uh, and it reminds us that regardless of social st- status, that we are all uh, made in God's image, and we all need rest. And this part that says, as well as you, means like you. Like you. Um, that we are all created in God's image. It doesn't matter how wealthy we are or how poor we are. Um, What we want is not above the needs that God is providing for here. So our desires don't overrule God's desires. So that's the purpose clause um, in Deuteronomy here. In Exodus, where the Ten Commandments were given, this clause is not in there. So... Um, you can just keep your Bibles open to Deuteronomy, and I'll, I'll read from you, for you um, Exodus 20, um, verses, verse 10b. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock... Or the sojourner who is within your gates. Period. That's the end of it. So it doesn't include this 
last part about your male servant and your female servant may rest. So, 39 years later, Moses is recounting, telling again um, about the command, the ten commandments that he received on Mount Sinai as they get ready to enter the land. This is an important thing for them to know. But Moses didn't just invent this part out of thin air, this, this new purpose that's, that's here that isn't in the original commandments. Actually, in, in an explanation of the commandments, just a little bit after, probably still on Mount Sinai, definitely still on Mount Sinai, three chapters later after the giving of the Ten Commandments, it says this, Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. So this was really was about the same time. So Moses is combining these things for that what they need to enter into the line. Don't forget about these other people that need your that need rest along with you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So this is the grounds for the commandment then. The reason that everyone, including slaves, were to rest is because you used to be a slave. And it would have been nice. You would have thought it was a really nice thing if you would have been able to take a day off. Um, But you were not able to take a a day off because, remember, you were slaves. And you did what Pharaoh wanted you to do. And so this also is slightly different from Exodus. In fact, it's probably, Exodus probably contains um, the idea that you, um, that you think of when you think of why you're not supposed to work on the seventh day. So if you can keep your Bible open here, I'm going to put on the screen um, Exodus 20, verse 11, and you can kind of compare it. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this grounds the commandment in creation. Back to Genesis um, chapter 2. Early in Genesis chapter 2. So from the beginning, there has been a seven-day pattern. From the beginning, the seventh day has been a day of rest. And it's not because the Lord needed rest on the seventh day. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, which brings us then to the second question. So that's that's what it means. Um, the commandment 
explicitly here talks about rest. Um, It doesn't talk about worship. So where does that come from? Well, it comes from the rest of Scripture. Here's in Leviticus again um, on Mount Sinai. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. A holy convocation means a holy assembly, probably for reading. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. Well, actually, then this brings us to the second question. I was a little early on that. How should we keep this commandment? So I mentioned earlier that no matter what you think about this question, um, you will have the backing of a biblical scholar. Um, But that is, you should not take that as comfort. Um, Because you all remember what it says in, in 2 Timothy. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So, we should avoid taking our understanding and trying to find somebody from to back it up. We should just take it from, from Scripture. So in, in, at this point, um, my second question was going to be, um, does, the, does this commandment apply to us today? And I, and I realize that there is an argument that the fourth commandment does not apply anymore. Um, or that it has been fulfilled in Christ in a way that means that we don't have any obligation to to do it, to to observe it in any real way. Well, Calvin is one of the guys that would say, that says, you know, this has been fulfilled in Christ. So in his sermon. That I, that I mentioned, this has been fulfilled in Christ. And what he means by that is there, there's, a, there's a spiritual rest that has been fulfilled in Christ that, that Christ gives us. And we have that all the time, or at least have access to that. We're supposed to pursue that all the time, to the rest in the sense of laying aside what we want to do and doing what Christ wants to do. So, wants us to do. And so, in that sense... Uh, he says that this commandment has already taken place. So, but he does say this. After saying this has already been fulfilled, he does say this. It is true that it is necessary for the faithful throughout their life to keep the Sabbath day and to desist from their own wills and action and to endeavor to dedicate themselves to God in all humility in order to align themselves with him and to find peace in his obedience. It is crucial for us to proceed in that way or otherwise all the service 
which we shall render to God will be only fictitious. And he will reject and reprove it. So that's the guy who says this has already been fulfilled um, in, in Christ. And his is probably the hardest position on the, the fourth commandment to understand of anybody. But um, for a number of reasons, though, I'm just going to proceed with the understanding that, that we are in some way to observe this commandment today. I realize there's an argue again, argument against that. Don't have time to deal with everything. So, so here's why. One, if we say that about the, ten command, the, the fourth commandment, there isn't a single other can, commandment we would make that case for of the Ten Commandments. Nobody would say that the, ten, the commandments have been fulfilled in Christ, so now you can steal. Nobody would say that. This is the only commandment that people say that about. Secondly, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Right? So, so Jesus gives himself basically the same thing. The Sabbath is, this is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. A Sabbath belonging to the Lord your God. The Sabbath belongs to him. Uh, and he decides, and Jesus also said this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, unless heaven, until heaven and earth pass away, that's a long time, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we don't have time to cover everything today. So, so back to this question, how should we keep it? How should we keep the commandment? Well, I mentioned the way that, that Calvin saw it, that it's, it's necessary for you throughout your whole life to keep, that, that, to keep the commandment, to come, gather together, lay aside our own desires, take up God's desires, worship him, meet together, um, and, and to do that. Uh, John Frame like this little statement. Jesus always takes his cue from Scripture rather than for tradition. That's on this section about, about what, how we are to observe the fourth commandment. So, so we then should, should imitate Jesus and take our cue from Scripture. Back to our uh, text on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter 
or your male servant, or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock. So the sojourner who is, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male and servant, male servant, and your female servant may rest as well as you. So Frame goes on to replay, say that this, this, this call for rest. Um, it always define is always how Scripture defines the Sabbath um, as rest, not as worship. So then, what about worship? Well, the Old Testament in several places God gives instructions for what we are to do on the Sabbath. That it's different from the other the other things we are to do. Ways that we are supposed to worship. Sacrifices are different. Readings are different. You do things differently on the Sabbath. And Jesus, um, how did he observe the Sabbath? Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So, Jesus goes to worship at the synagogue on uh, the Sabbath, and he wasn't, that was his custom, and the apostles continued that custom throughout the New Testament of going to synagogues and meeting there, and then on the first day of the week, on the Lord's Day, on the Resurrection Day, meeting with Christians. And so as, as, the, as Christianity spread to the Gentiles, it was a big deal um, that they not ad- adapt or not take on Jewish customs, as Paul writes about. So eventually, the... This is a long story short. Sunday, the Lord's Day, Resurrection Day, replaced the Sabbath in the church. Um, And so the Lord's Day became the day of Christian worship. So back to our question. How should we keep this commandment? So Jesus, as Frame said, took his cues from Scripture and not from traditions that people invented to help them, quote, help them um, observe the Sabbath. Jesus said, this is, this is an example from Matthew, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked, so, is it lawful? to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So uh, making the point here that that. Pretty much everybody picks up on there are things that must happen um, for um, sometimes for for the sake of life and sometimes not. If a sheep falls into a pit, 
We don't know that it's going to die. But you can, they, you can pull it out on the Sabbath, right? And a man is more valuable. So you can do good things on the Sabbath. So how should we keep the commandment? That's, that's one way you can do good things. You can do things that, that must be done. Um, for example, there were guards on duty in the temple on the Sabbath. Priests work on the Sabbath. Um, so soldiers worked on the Sabbath. Priests worked on the Sabbath. Um, so there are things that must be done, that must be done every day, and those are things that, that would be permitted on the Sabbath. So does that mean that Jesus gives us license to do anything we want on the Sabbath? So we're going to close with this passage um, and uh, this is from Isaiah 58, Old Testament passage. I'll, I'll make maybe a couple of comments as we go through it. But it, it's to think about for us, because there's enough dispute about what we need to do and what we don't need to do on the Sabbath. But I think that, that this really gets to the heart of it. Um, Isaiah 53, starting in verse 13. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, so um, I think it's frame that points out, but it's, but, it's, but it's clear when you read through the text. Pleasure means your desire, what you want to do. So if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your desire on my holy day, holy again, being set apart for his use, and call the Sabbath a delight, compare that with your pleasure or your desire, call the Sabbath a delight. And the holy day of the Lord, honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own desires or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. So if you want to take delight in the Lord, that's how we do it. And I will make you Ride on the heights of the earth. That's a, it's quite a statement. Then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So that's it. If we'll do those things, if we will not do what we desire, but delight in the Lord, that would seem to me that that would be doing what is called for here. right? Not our own desires. His desires. Let's close in prayer. 
Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and gather on uh, the Lord's Day, the Resurrection Day, the day that belongs to the Lord um, of all the universe. Lord, we pray that, that we would delight in you and that we would not delight in our own desires knowing that your way is the way that you will make us to ride on the heights. Lord, we thank you for tonight, for your spirit who is here with us teaching, for your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. In his name we pray, amen.